Kim Sujawalski, and I'm your host here at the Brownwell Podcast, a place in which every week we talk about delicious food, about making more vegan choices no matter where you are along the way. And because food is never just about the food, I'll support and guide you to a happier, kinder, and more mindful relationship with that wonderful moment of eating. Are you ready? Lace up those trainers if you're going for a walk or grab a cup of coffee, get comfy on the couch, and listen in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bramble Podcast. I am so happy to be here with you today. Today, we have a very exciting and fun travel-filled episode for you, just as Simon, the vegan flight attendant in episode 202, came to tell us everything we need to know about navigating vegan travel in airports and flights. We now have the ultimate expert for everything that happens after you get off the plane. She is not only one of the friendliest people I've met in the vegan business space and a face and name you'll probably recognize if you are a fan of Colleen Patrick Goudreau's work and the Food for Thought podcast. You've often heard me talking about Colleen as the vegan philosopher of our time and fairy godmother to the animals. So Colleen and our guest today, Bridie, are longtime friends and business partners in their joint travel ventures, but Bridie has been everywhere. She is a passionate vegan and advocate for animals, and in today's episode, she comes with a long list of tips, resources, websites, apps, translating tips, and practical tips to help you navigate your travel adventures as a vegan with confidence. Who better than the person behind organizing what are, at least to my knowledge, the most high-end, spectacularly planned luxury vegan travel experiences out there, including exploring the beauty of Tuscany or Christmas markets in France, seeing mountain gorillas in Rwanda and going on safari in Botswana and so much more. Bridie spent her formative years in the UK and Australia before her desire to travel took over. The next five years were spent leading group tours for an Australian company around Southeast Asia, France, and Morocco. She met fellow tour guide Seb in Marrakesh, where they fell madly in love. And a couple of years later, they discovered veganism together. She tells us the story, which is a it has an interesting twist to it that I know you're going to absolutely love. She became passionate about promoting the vegan message as an activist, widely traveled for both work and fun. One of her most important jobs at World Vegan Travel is ensuring the vegan food on their trips is second to none. She also makes sure everyone has enough treats throughout the day and organizes the infamous trivia sessions during their final day's parties. You can connect with Bridie on all social media platforms where she is at World Vegan Travel and through her website, worldvegantravel.com. And please do not forget to check out her wonderful weekly podcast, the World Vegan Travel Podcast. It is a wonderful show, one that I mentioned in our most recent favorite podcast episodes and one that you also have in your resources library if you are a student of any of our paid or free courses, you are going to see her podcast there because it's one of my favorites. It's one of the very few vegan podcasts that I listen to nowadays. 
before we get started with this incredibly helpful conversation with Bridie, jam-packed with tips that I have never heard anywhere else, here's our sponsor for today's show. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Green and Experience, a wonderful Etsy shop selling amazing products for a safe and plant-based alternative to doing laundry. I'm always on a quest to find more sustainable products made with natural ingredients that are good for me and good for the environment. I'm so excited to have discovered their handmade hemp dryer balls. All the goodness and benefits of the raw hemp in a dryer ball, all natural, reusable, plant-based, non-toxic, and safe to use for babies, infants, pets pets, and people with sensitive skin. Perfect for making your clothes and linens super soft without the need to use fabric softeners or plastic or wool-based dryer balls. Without any of the strong chemicals that can be found in so many commercial cleaning products that can be harmful for your skin and that can get into the water supply and be harmful for animals and the environment. Their Etsy shop is glowing with five-star reviews and customers who talk about how hard it is to find vegan cleaning products and especially laundry products until they found Green and Experience. All the products come beautifully presented in zero-waste packaging, which also means they make beautiful gifts as well. Here's what my issue is when doing laundry. I hate and I mean hate, having wrinkled clothes coming out of the dryer. I hate the static, and I especially want my towels and clothes to be as soft as they can be, but it's been years since I bought commercial fabric softener, partly because I've moved to all-natural and vegan and cruelty-free cleaning products, and I really never found a replacement for fabric softener. And also because I try to reduce my use of plastics whenever I can, not perfect, but whenever I can, and those giant jugs of fabric softener were just not cutting it anymore. These dryer balls are beautiful to look at, they're easy to spot, and your laundry comes out perfect with each and every load. Order them today on Etsy.com by visiting their shop green and experience, all one word, or use the link you'll find right here in the podcast player and in the show notes and get 10% off with a limited time promo code BROWNBOWL10. Order them for your family and find peace of mind. Bridie, welcome to the podcast. It is such, such a joy to have you here. Such a treat. Thank you so much for having me on, Kim. It's a pleasure. <laughs> so, Bridie, I, you know, I always love to ask my guests to start, how did they find veganism? How did this journey sort of unfold? Because the stories are so varied and it's so wonderful to see that people from many different walks of life can find this lifestyle. So I think that's where I would like you to speak for a little bit. How did you find veganism? Of course, I always love sharing my story. So I had been vegetarian since about the age of mm, 12 or something like that. So for a long time, and I had been doing a lot of traveling at at this particular time when I was making the transition, I was living in Vietnam, in northern Vietnam in Hanoi, and I had been vegan, uh, sorry, vegetarian for all of that time, more than 20 years. And I had traveled a lot and um, I'd had some amazing experience, but I was actually starting to change my mind about being vegetarian. I was started to sort of I've started feeling, oh, you know, I feel like I'm missing out on so much. And Vietnam has this amazing food culture. And and uh, luckily, I never um, started eating animals again. 
But something just happened at the most uh, interesting time. It was 2009 and... smartphones, the iPhone had just come out. And my partner, Seb, he bought me um, an iPhone, which was, you know, very, very nice. I was one of the first people to have a smartphone, I I think, out of the people that I knew. And of course, I was playing around and I discovered this thing called podcast. Now, this was in 2009. There were not many podcasts then. And um, I've always enjoyed audio and listening to audio talking and um, things like that. And I stumbled across this podcast called Vegetarian Food for Thought, as it was called in that at that time. And that was uh, hosted by Colleen Patrick-Cadreau. Now, the name of this person is quite important because there's a bit of a, a full circle moment I later know. on in the story. <laughs> and uh, I started listening and It was very, very compelling and it was just wonderful, very similar to the work that you do, Kim. It it was explaining the reasons why to go vegan, but also the how to go vegan as well. And um, of course, there's a lot of content around this these days. And of course, that's amazing and wonderful. But at that point, there, there wasn't a huge amount, certainly none that I was sort of stumbling across when I was living in Hanoi in Vietnam. And uh, just over the next few months, I started listening and listening and listening and just getting through all of the animal products that happened to me in my house. Of course, it was just uh, um, dairy products and eggs, but I just started to develop um, becoming vegan and uh, it was just absolutely wonderful. I mean, this podcast was incredibly transformative. I think I listened to it for like two years straight, the same episode multiple times, just because, just because the ideas were just so um, transformative, let's say, and I needed to listen to them many times to uh, to really absorb them properly. A few months after that, I actually moved to Bangkok and uh, my partner, Seb, decided to go on a bit of a hiking trip and I stealthily put a few copies of the few episodes of the podcast onto his MP3 player as it was at the time. Very smart thing to do. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, and he became vegan so as well. So wow. um, he is also vegan and that's been since 2009. So I guess that's the story. That's incredible, Bridie. I have always known about your connection to Colleen because Colleen's podcast was, it, I had, I was already vegan when I found it, but I had, I have always attributed sort of my staying vegan to Colleen and her work. It is incredible. We recommend it in every single one of our courses. Uh, It is one of the, you know, I don't listen to as many vegan podcasts now as I used to. And yours and hers, those are two podcasts that are always in my podcast player and that I've listened to for so many years. And I remember in the very early days of my own journey that she kept talking about a bridey on the podcast, there there comes a point in the episodes in which she is uh, talking about you. I think you were in in some form associated with the production of the podcast at some point. And when many years later, you and I met, quote unquote, met. We've never met in person, but we connected uh, through you know the work we do online and, and such. I 
said, are you Friday? Are you Colleen's Friday? I, I couldn't believe it. It was like uh, meeting a superstar. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's <laughs> because so funny. <laughs> I had just heard your name so many times in her podcast. And I didn't know this about your journey, that your journey actually started by listening to her show, which I mean, I think is the case for thousands of people. Her show mm -hmm. has transformed so many lives. And I'm mm -hmm. so grateful that she's still doing that show after so many years. It's truly a testament to her work. Now, I have a question. Was Seb vegetarian when you were vegetarian? So before going vegan? No, he so was he, not. He went straight to vegan when he heard these episodes. Yes. Amazing. How did the rest of your family or friends react to this big change? Because this was a while back. Yes, exactly. So um, I was living in Hanoi, as I mentioned, and uh, to say that I took to it with gusto is kind of almost an understatement. I became so, so passionate and, you know, I, people could see my passion and my energy about it. And I will say it took me a few years to sort of navigate my communication to, um, communication and making sure that, uh, that I was, you know, not you know, alienating myself um, um, and more sort of being, trying to bridge that gap between non-vegans and vegans. And, you know, I, I certainly got better at it over time. And it was fine in Han Hanoi and subsequently in uh, Thailand. It was a little bit stormy, I would say, for a, a few meetings with my um, family members. And, you know, it, it was more me than, than my family members, I think. But it you know, now we're at a place where um, everything is well and we can sort of coexist, let's say, because when you first realize what is happening to the animals and you see, you present the information and people don't necessarily react as you might want them to, um, that can be very upsetting and invoke a lot of emotions within ourselves. So, you know, it's taken me a while, but I've got better, let's say that. <laughs> I think that's such a common thing for so many of us. I remember some of the things I said in conversations when I first went vegan, where I felt this was, and, uh, you know, the book I read that sort of introduced me to veganism was Alicia Silverstone's The Kind Diet. And in this book, she talks about how when she found out about what was happening to animals and to the environment uh, in the animal agriculture system, that she just wanted to scream, there mm -hmm. is fire, like fire, there is a massive fire, like we need to do something about this now. And I related so much to that. And I think I was a lot preachier than I am now. And I've found it never worked. <laughs> there, there are so many different there, you know, there's been such a change in the way I talk about it, at least. And I think for so many people, it's the same way we feel mm -hmm. so passionate about it. And like, we want to make up for lost time. I don't know if you experienced that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I would often just be thinking, but there are animals dying right now, yeah. right now. <laughs> there's a sense of urgency here, people, but Yes, I've I've become more at peace with that, and that's due to a lot of soul searching and mindfulness practice, and just 
constant work, constant work, work in progress. <laughs> yeah. And I think we also learn just from the experience of going vegan and talking to people at dinner tables and dinner parties. And we start to see what works and what causes the most extreme reactions mm-hmm. in people. And, and, and also that it depends on who you're talking to, how close they are to you, that sometimes they need to hear it, you know, hear from it, uh, hear about it from 10 different people until they start making the connection and it's not going to come from you. It's going to come from, uh, you know, the show that was playing on the radio after you've been preaching about this for 10 years, all of those things that I think so many vegans are familiar with. Oh, yes. Um, now, Bridie, how, uh, how did you get into your work in the travel industry? Um, how did that happen? Sure. I've always loved traveling and, you know, many people love to travel. That's not so unusual. But when I was in my mm, mid mid twenties or so, I got a job working as a tour leader for a travel company called Intrepid Travel. They specialize in small group adventures and, and I was tour leading for them, which basically meant that I would take travelers around uh, but my first contract was in Southeast Asia, my next country was in France, and my next contract contract was in Morocco, which incidentally is where Seb and I met. He was also a tour leader tour leader in Morocco, so we always like to make a joke i I trained him uh, he I was his trainer and, uh, <laughs> and and he was performing badly and we always make these kinds of jokes about what he had to do to pass and all of these kinds of funny things anyway. Uh, so, so I did that for five years full time. So I lived out of a backpack for five years wow. and I was quite tired by that point, as you can probably imagine. So we decided to move to Vietnam together and um, I then started, and this is where you and I have some overlap, uh, Kim, I actually started using my teaching qualifications and I uh, started teaching in international schools um, over in Southeast Asia. Anyway, so um, sort of over these few years living in Hanoi and then in Bangkok, uh, I, I became friends with Colleen and her husband, David, and we started doing some travel together. We did some amazing travel things together. We went to Rwanda, we went to Botswana, multiple countries in Europe, and just had a lot of fun traveling together because it's quite hard to find um, couples that you love to travel with. So Seb, also since he had finished tour leading as well, he was working in TV production. He had a TV production services in, uh, in Thailand as well. And if you know anything about TV production, you will know that it requires a huge amount of logistics and all of these things. So all in all, like Seb and I have a pretty good skill set for working in the travel industry and a fair amount of experience. Anyway, so over a um, glass of wine with Colleen and David, we said to, well, Seb said, he just brought it up, why don't we host a trip for your followers if they're interested in joining to Thailand and we'll run a trip uh, for them to Thailand and just give them an amazing time. And uh, she very um, graciously said yes. And we we put together a trip. She approved it. She thought it sounded fun. She put it out to her followers and we got a 
I think it was about 18 people that joined us on that first trip. So that really was the start of Well Vegan Travel. And since then, we've been to lots of different places. That is is just fascinating. And oh my goodness, we're definitely going to be talking about the amazing luxury trips that you organize. Uh, we're going to get into all of that. But I, I love I love these stories of full on businesses and projects that just come up over a glass of wine or a cup of coffee between friends and it turns out to become this this massive thing because the trips you guys plan, I I have so many questions about how you manage all of these logistics. Also from far away because you're not living in these countries where mm-hmm. you take uh, people on these tours. So we'll get we'll definitely get to that. But I don't think we've ever had someone on the podcast uh, as a guest with as much experience in travel as you. So we need to, we need to use this opportunity. (laughs) On behalf of all of my listeners, I just need to ask you for all of the tips when it comes to vegan travel, especially vegan, uh, vegan travel in some of these places and countries where we tend to associate the cuisine with a very meat or cheese centric, dairy centric uh, food. think places like France, for example, or Italy, which I know is incredibly vegan friendly, but it's one of those places where people think they, I'm never going to be able to go to Italy again. Everything has cheese Mm -hmm. or places like Japan where, you know, fish is a very like common centerpiece of the plate. So please, Bridie, like take it away. Give us all your tips for vegan travelers. Sure thing. Well, I have nine tips to share. Wonderful. Um, is, is that okay? That's perfect. Yeah? Okay, great. All right. So I have nine tips to share. And the first one I think is important for all aspects of our lives. And that is really adjusting our mindset. So it's very easy to look at a menu or look at a situation and think that um, there's not going to be anything for you or there isn't anything for you. So I always try to look through a lens of abundance rather than a lens of lack. And this is a Colleen Patrick Goudreau thing as well. And if you do look it through a lens of abundance and maybe like like um like a treasure hunt so that you are sort of hunting for things and finding some really um really amazing vegan finds in various places so there there are usually vegan finds around you you just have to hunt for them and find them and I'll give some tips on how you can find these places a little bit later and also it's a mindset thing, except that as a vegan and actually as a non-vegan, when you're traveling, you will not always have the best food. We've all traveled, every single one of us, even before we were vegan, and we ate in a restaurant where it was you know, subpar for whatever reason. There can be a million reasons. So except that sometimes you're going to have amazing foods and that sometimes you won't and and that's okay. That's, that's, that's just life. The second tip that I have is to use apps and sites to help you. Now, I'm sure all of your listeners will know about Happy Cow, so I don't want to talk about that very much. It's an amazing app. Amazing. But yes, but there are also sometimes country specific apps as well. I don't know whether there are any in Spain, but for example, in France, 
there's a country-specific app called Veggio Resto. And Veggio Resto is like Happy Cow in French. And I don't know whether a lot of people know this, but Happy Cow has certain limitations on what restaurants can be posted or, or not. So, for example, it will not post – I mean, this is – it used to be its policy. I don't know whether it still is. But if there was a, country, a town that already had a lot of vegan restaurants – you would not you could submit a veg friendly restaurant but it wouldn't accept it and you know that's their policy and i can understand their reasons for that but other apps don't have that kind of policy so veggio resto for example um there's even more there and it's more active with for french vegans because it's in france french so there are there are more listings and more reviews and um and i often will look at the same town for happy cow and veggio resto and i will see there's more choices on uh veggio resto it's in french doesn't matter you can still get a sense of everything even if you don't speak french my other tip is a billion a billion is I, I find it really hard to explain what it is. It's like a different version of Happy Cow, except they review products as well. Yes. Can you add anything to what it is, Kim? Well, my experience with a billion is that at least how, how it was presented to me when someone introduced me to it is that you can post any product that is vegan and describe it, give a review for it. And for every posting you do, money gets donated to animal charities and, and sort of vegan-friendly charities all over the world. Uh, but I did not know that it had restaurant offerings and, and, and things like that. So that's new to me. Mm, it it does. So instead of searching for a nearby vegan, a nearby restaurant, you can even search for a dish. So oh. you can even review specific dishes. Wow. On, yeah. So it's it's kind of interesting. I always tell myself whenever I bring it up, I, I need to use it more because I think what it's trying to do is pretty cool. It is. Um, but it's it's a Singaporean based company and um, it's still in the early stages compared with Happy Cow. But I think it's worth a download and a check out. And it's also, I, I find really helpful uh, in your area to find, for example, vegan products in supermarkets and stores, things, brands you haven't heard of yet, and new mm -hmm. products that are coming out that you might not be familiar yet. I, I, yeah, I found it a very interesting app. For sure. Yes. And it's got a lot of social features as well. It's sort of more like a social media yes. platform rather than Happy Cow, which to me feels more like a database. I don't know. Anyway, my other two are accommodation related. The first one is Veg Visits, which is basically like a vegan version of Airbnb. And it's kind of like Airbnb as it was 10 years ago before all of the listings in Airbnb became all sort of so so professional and um, uh, more like villas and things like that. So, so you know, you literally, you've got a room, you can hire, rent a room in somebody's house. So Veg Visits, I actually have an episode on my podcast with the founders of Veg Visits as well. And um, it's very much set up like, Airbnb and they have quite a few listings around the world. You'll probably be staying in the house of a vegan. They can obviously give you recommendations and I think that's kind of cool and kind of fun. My last particular site 
to recommend is Veggie Hotels, which I think is one out of Germany, but it's basically a listing of all of the vegan or very vegan friendly hotels or accommodations around the world. So bed and breakfasts and hotels and all of that good stuff. And there are some amazing places now. Would it be nice if there was a listing for every single town and city in the world? Yes, it would be awesome. But, you know, we're not there quite yet. But what I really, really love about this site is if you see an accommodation there that you really, really like, chances are it's going to be off the beaten track a little bit and you will be able to discover a new area and have probably amazing vegan food um, as well. And particularly when you're going into the countryside, like for example, I've just um, had an article published in the Global Vegan magazine talking about vegan travel in France. And, you know, in the countryside in France, it's not particularly vegan friendly, yeah. but a lot of these accommodations, these vegan accommodations are in the countryside in France. So you can have that French countryside experience, not have to cook your own food because there is some sort of um, uh, restaurant attached to it, for example. That's wonderful. That's wonderful to know. I do a lot of, um, of travel in the Spanish countryside. Uh, we've been exploring... We love being in nature, so we love exploring mountain ranges and places we haven't been to before. And it def there, you can definitely notice a difference between what you can find in restaurants in, in the big cities and there. So this is fantastic. Mm. Uh, the the fact you. that now there are so many hotels and, and, and just at least places who will understand that if a vegan is going, they're going to have some non-dairy milk there for you with breakfast and some options if it's a bed and breakfast and things like that. And that's wonderful. Yes. My third tip is to consider packing some supplies or tools if you, your baggage allowance or the space that you have allows it. Um, some examples might be an instant pot, a blender, some little small blender perhaps. Uh, collapsible Tupperware is something that I always take and I always end up using it's so good for bringing home leftovers from a restaurant or uh, transferring, transporting like Seb and I are big into making sandwiches when we go. So we have like our deli meats and our cheese and we can pop it in this Tupperware so it doesn't end up a congealed mess at the bottom of our bag. And uh, we'll often bring a little cool bag with the little freezer bricks that maybe we can freeze in our um, hotel room or we'll ask the hotel if they can freeze it for us. Tea towels always come in handy and a, maybe a carton of shelf-stable soy milk and some healthy snacks. So these are some things that I you might like to consider packing. Mm -hmm. My fourth tip is trying to stay healthy, particularly if you're doing extended travel. I find that I tend to just eat a ton of refined carbohydrates and that's okay if it's just for a few days. But if you're doing extended travel, then, you know, you might want to put a bit of effort in into making sure that you are eating a bit of uh, some healthy things. So my tips for those are try to eat a plate of vegetables or fruit once a day. Sometimes in breakfast buffets, you can just overload on fruit and salads and vegetables there or even just ask the restaurant to make you a big plate of steamed veggies uh, once a day. 
can be a good thing to aim for. Greens powder has is a really good idea as well. You might like to pack that. I remember when I was trekking in Nepal, um, really high up in the mountains, and pretty much everyone eats vegetarian or vegan there anyway. But I will say that once you get up really, really high, there are not a lot of vegetables at all for anyone. I mean, it's 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 really terrible. The the people there can suffer from malnutrition just because they don't have many vegetables because, of course, they have to be transported up. Anyway, so greens powder can be a really good thing. Uh, some seaweed uh, is a really fun thing that you can have just to get those uh, antioxidants, micronutrients up. And even some freeze-dried vegetable snacks as well. Or uh, These are great things because they're super light and usually pretty nutritious buying delicious snacks, having cherries, for example, in France. They have to be delicious fruits and vegetables if I'm going to want to eat them when I'm on holiday. So cherries in France, cherry tomatoes in Italy, pineapples in Thailand, and just have lots of those on hand. I love that. You know, um, I, I, I like that you framed it in, not as in you have to be fearful of of refined foods or that you're eating out a lot or anything like that, because that's a part of life. It, it can, it's a fun part of life to enjoy these fun foods. And, but I do love that you mentioned being sort of conscious and aware of adding in all of these fruits and vegetables that you would normally be eating at home. And that for some reason, when you're traveling, there aren't, I don't know why it is, at least it's the way here in Spain, it is extremely hard to find a fully vegan salad, for example. So sometimes restaurants will have a vegan option, but if you want like a vibrant, huge salad, I'm a huge mm -hmm. uh, salad uh, addict, love them, have a huge one every day, and it's not as easy to find. And you're mm -hmm. right that if you're traveling for a long period of time, well, you do want to make sure to add all of these in, uh, just, it's also going to help you feel more at home. And what I love also to, to recommend to our students is remember that fruits and vegetables are sold in markets and stores in any city, country, town you're visiting. And that stuff is always going to be there. Uh, unless you're, unless you're somewhere in maybe Antarctica, but in most places, you can go and buy some of the delicious local produce and, and add that in and then, it, you know, enjoy the rest of your restaurant meals without stressing out about it. I Do agree. You agree. Good. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Wonderful. We'll get right back to our conversation with Bridie after this ad break from our sponsor. Looking for a vegan, cruelty-free, and non-toxic way to do laundry? I'm so excited to have partnered up with today's sponsor for the podcast, Green and Experience. We get a lot of brand requests for sponsorships of the podcast, and sadly, it is rare that brands or companies align with our values at Bramble, and we say no to most sponsorships because of it. I got so excited when I saw the chance to help promote a vegan and environmentally conscious small business, especially when I'm looking for ethical and safe personal care products and especially cleaning products. 
introducing their reusable handmade non-toxic organic and zero waste dryer balls. They are not only beautiful to look at and impeccably designed, but they are antibacterial and hypoallergenic, reusable and shipped in beautiful zero waste packaging. Just in case you're new to using dryer balls, they are wonderful to pop in your dryer with your clothes, preventing laundry from clumping together as the balls tumble along with your laundry, reducing drying time, fighting wrinkles in your clothes, preventing static, and more importantly, giving your clothes, sheets, and towels a wonderful soft feel and skipping the chemicals, pollutants, and synthetic fragrances found in commercial dryer sheets and fabric softeners. It is the perfect, reusable, kind, vegan, and environmentally safe alternative to doing laundry. But my favorite thing is that they are reusable. I know that some more natural alternatives to cleaning products can be a bit pricier, but with these, you aren't simply buying a container with liquid that you'll use up just as fast as the regular kind, but at a higher price. With these, you make an investment and use them over and over again. No plastic, no wool, just beautifully made hemp balls that will make your laundry dry faster, softer, and with less static, and will occupy next to no space in your home when compared to those giant plastic containers of laundry products. I also love that I'm supporting a small business that items are shipped with so much care and a personal touch from the shop's owner and in such beautiful packaging. The purchasing process through Etsy is unbelievably easy and I just get them shipped right to my door. Order them today and get 10% off with a limited time promo code BROWNBALL10. That's promo code BROWNBALL10 for 10% off. Shop at Green and Experience, one word on Etsy.com, or use the link you'll find in your podcast player and in the show notes. My fifth tip is to get excited and maybe get prepared ahead of time. So if you can find articles from blogs that were written recently, these are often even better than guidebooks because, uh, because you know, they're often frequently updated or they've been released um, fairly recently. And travel bloggers have done an amazing job at creating yes. these amazing blog posts. I We refer to them all of the time. And of course, our friend Wendy Werneth from Nomadic Vegan, oh, she's just done an amazing... Wendy. Shout out to Wendy. Yes. yes. I met her in Italy last year for the first time. It was so awesome. She's amazing. Anyway, yes. Uh, so, you know, finding these, you know, vegan travel guides to Seville, for example, you're going to see some amazing stuff. And that can be a really great way to start your research. You might like to uh, find some experiences. Um, so uh, maybe... I don't think a lot of people know this, but there are some incredible vegan city food tours available these days. And I actually mm -hmm. did a roundup of these on the Well Vegan Travel blog for Europe and for North America. And wow. there are a lot in Europe. So uh, go and check out these vegan city food tours, often on Airbnb experiences as well. You will, if you look on Airbnb, they have this tab called experiences and a lot of, you know, uh, vegans that are trying to do some fun sort of low-key uh, cooking classes or or food tours that I just mentioned they'll have them listed there and you can you know really have some fun time there anyway you can get all of these things and then star them on google maps and then you'll just have them already there waiting when you um, arrive my sixth tip is let your accommodation know ahead of time um 
this is hotels. I'm referring to hotels, I guess, mostly here. And I probably wouldn't worry about doing this if I was just staying one night in um, a hotel in Paris and I'm not even eating breakfast. Like I just wouldn't even bother about that. Even if I wasn't eating breakfast, I, I wouldn't bother letting them know. But if I was going to have like a like a one week vacation at a resort where I'm eating all of my meals there and I'm paying a sizable amount of money, I might decide to let the accommodation know ahead of time and maybe check in with them when I arrive and give feedback, you know, positive, um, encouraging uh, feedback over the course of my stay. So that's another tip. My seventh tip is to learn or have access to a little bit of the local language. Now, of course, you don't need to become fluent in a place to travel to a place. But some tips that I have is downloading um, your target language to Google Translate. Some people don't realize this, but when you download the language to your phone, um, you can actually have access to Google Translate, even if you don't have the internet for whatever uh, wow. reason. And, and then you can also search for and save some important phrases and star those important phrases ahead of time. There's a conversation function on Google Translate as well, where you can speak into it and it will translate what you're saying into French, let's say. And then they can speak, the person can speak back to it, and then it will translate back into English for you. And also Google Lens as well. Google Translate has this thing where you hold your phone over a menu or an ingredients list, for example, and it will do a okay job at translating those, uh, those ingredients into English or whatever language you need, um, in front of your eyes. It's, it's, it's like Harry Potter. It's really incredible. Oh I had no idea this existed. And what a, I mean, things are so much easier now than so mm -hmm. many years ago. It's just, that's fascinating. <laughs> yes. I invite everybody to go and have a play with that Google Lens. It's really very cool. Another thing you can do is you can, uh, I have an editable PDF on my site and um, also some language guides for a few common languages as well. So if you get this editable PDF, you download it, you um, translate all of the phrases into Google Translate and then copy them, paste them into the editable PDF and then print and then keep that in your wallet, you can just point and say something like, um, please thank the chef so much for um, making something for me. Uh, I really appreciate it. And you can have that and you can just point. So that can be helpful. That's fantastic. Bridie, um, hmm. so everybody, we will have all the links to all of this content from Bridie's website in the show notes. So you don't have to, uh, so it's easy and, and easy to access from there. Brady, do you have any suggestions? Because I do know that some people are quite shy. Any suggestions about breaking that ice or that barrier between having to come out and call a hotel and tell them, listen, we're going to be staying at your hotel, we're vegan, or approaching a restaurant where we're going to have an important celebra celebration mm -hmm. meal or something like that? Because I do know that for some people... That limits them a little bit when it comes to travel because they're a little bit afraid or or, or just yes. shy. They don't want to cause an inconvenience for others. They don't want to stand out. 
Mm-hmm. What do you think would help a little bit with that? Sure. Well, yeah, I guess I guess people are sometimes are worried that they're going to appear pushy or inconvenience someone or that somebody m- might be irritated at their request. And of course, I can understand that uh, feeling. But I invite people to consider that people who work in the hospitality interest industry, well, not only is it their job, but also they like being hospitable. That's the whole reason. I mean, yeah. if 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 you imagine like if if I like to host dinner parties and I one of my guests is gluten free, for example, you know, I don't I'd like to be hospitable. So I'm not, you know, yes. irritated by them because they are they are gluten free. I'm I'm just like, okay, that's great. I really want this person to come. I really want this person to have a nice experience and to enjoy this food. Like what can we do? And very often chefs enjoy the opportunity to cook something a little bit different and to learn something new. I mean, we've worked with hotels in the deep in the French countryside where they had to create a week's worth of uh, vegan meals based that were going to be Alsatian from um, traditional Alsatian meals made vegan. And they never had done that before. And they relished the challenge. It was quite a learning curve for them and obviously there was there was a um a, it was fairly sort of high risk i guess because it was a whole a group of people it was 25 people but uh you know we had a big debrief afterwards and they said that it was a really interesting experience so you know i i invite people to just think well they like being hospitable i can always ask and if they can't do it you know it's okay yeah That's we fine. can, Maybe can I'll... try somewhere else Exactly. And and I also, you know, it, it's business. It's business for these hotels and restaurants and they want to have you there as a guest. So mm-hmm. I love that. I love that answer because we tend to forget about that, that that is at the core and essence of their business. It's, it's being mm-hmm. welcoming to people. I, I love yep. that. What's your next tip, Brady? Okay. My next tip is to use social media. Mm -hmm. So um, I didn't realize this until Eunice Ray's, she's a a wonderful sort of travel food Instagram person. She told us about how if you search on the hashtag vegan and the destination, for Mm -hmm. example, hashtag vegan Madrid, you will see a lot of stuff come up that might not be there otherwise you like on even on happy cow or on Mm -hmm. other sites and you can use this as a really great way to find vegan eats and often a lot of local people in that destination will use that hashtag as well and also you can find um, use local Facebook groups as well Uh, for example um, vegans in Madrid I'm sure there's a Facebook group a little bit like that and I wouldn't go on there and say can you recommend some vegan restaurants because you know there's already so much information available but you might be able to find like meetups that are happening that events that are happening so that you can connect with uh, the vegan community there Um, even do some activism there. That's some, uh, I used to do a lot of activism in Bangkok and it was amazing how many people who were on holiday would come and join us there and we would go out to dinner afterwards and we would have an amazing time. 
So that's my tip there. My ninth tip is to use vegan travel professionals. Um, and there are, I don't know whether people are aware of this, but there are a lot of vegan travel agents. I'm not a vegan travel agent, but there are lots of vegan travel agents out there and they can recommend vegan friendly resorts, communicate your needs to the hotel or resort that you're staying in. And they have a little bit more leverage perhaps than than you might. So they can do a really great job at um, advocating for you so you don't have to have that call in yeah. advance, um, you know. Uh, and they'll often, you know, I've, I know of some vegan travel agents that will create like a little pack for you for when you arrive. You make sure you check out this restaurant and here is my friend who lives here and this kind of stuff, which is amazing. And little plug for Well Vegan Travel, there are even vegan tour companies as well, vegan travel. And there are actually many more for all different kinds of niches for many different areas in the world. So when you travel with a tour company, a vegan tour company, they'll do all of this work for you. They do all of this stuff. So you absolutely don't have to do any of the things that I just mentioned. You don't have to do any of the research. You just turn up and have someone do it all for you. So those are my tips, Kim. Righty. This is amazing. You've given us so much great information, so many great websites that I didn't even know of. Uh, this is fantastic. Uh, any specific, although I think these tips would work for any place you're going to, but any specific tips, for example, Japan is a place that I have been dreaming about going to for years. And I've heard mixed things when it comes to the vegan food scene in Japan, because there, it is very fish centric. So at these specific places where the culture really is heavy on that. Although I know that that is sometimes only what we see from the outside. People would have that opinion about Spain and Madrid because there are legs of ham hanging from ceilings everywhere on, on window displays. And you might have a bullfighting situation happening mm -hmm. very close by. And then when you're here, you realize that there are too many vegan restaurants to choose from and you won't have enough time. So I know that a part of that is just not having done the research yet, but any specific tips for places where it's a little bit harder? Mm. So Japan, I'm, I'm not a Japan expert. I've actually only spent 24 hours there in total. So I don't know Japan hugely well, but I do think some of these tips that I mentioned would work. That Google Translate lens is really fantastic mm -hmm. for ingredients and right. for menus. Yes. Um, those uh, travel bloggers, guides, you know, all of the cities in Japan. I'm sure if I Googled vegan travel Nagoya, for example, mm -hmm. I'm sure there would be a blog post that would come up, obviously, happy cow. Um, something that is very interesting in Japan, I've not experienced it myself, but a friend of mine uh, told me about it, is using vegan meetups, uh, sorry, meetups.com and searching for vegan meetups in in the place that you're going to, which is a little bit like my um, um, social media tip. But yeah. Meetup seems to be particularly active in Japan. Like I had a friend of mine who, who, if, who was living in Bangkok and he went to Japan and he went to just a meetup, just a random meetup, nothing special about it. There were 80 people there, 80 people wow. at this meetup. <laughs> so, Incredible. you know, yeah. 
that's kind of incredible. I don't know exactly where it was in the country. So maybe there are certain platforms that are more active with uh, vegans that live in Japan or Japanese vegans. I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean, it's it's not great. Maybe um, it's, Japan isn't great for like going to a non-vegan restaurant and being able to find something. I'm I'm not sure whether there are any like specific Japanese, accidentally vegan Japanese dishes. I'd have to do a little bit more research, but yeah, maybe find out about that. Yeah. Uh, Brady, do you have any tips or suggestions for when it happens? Because it can happen as much as we can prepare, as much as we can try it to express our needs in another language, where we make a mistake, where something had uh, just a, a, a byproduct that was an animal product mm. in there where we weren't expecting that it would, how we navigate that, or then finding out after the fact that something had, I'm thinking about things like fish sauce in Thai cuisine, or I don't know, just some of these small yeah. bits of animal ingredients that just sometimes get past all of the research and all of the things you, you do, no matter how well prepared you are. How do you deal with situations like that? Or, or what would you recommend for people to just continue to enjoy themselves and, and cut themselves some slack? What would you say? So I guess a couple of things could happen. Like you started eating or you've even finished eating and uh, you realized that there was something non-vegan in the thing that you just ate there's two things well three possible reactions that could happen the first of all is like to feel terrible guilt that you've you've or maybe disgust that you've eaten something that contains animals and you know get very upset about that you know another reaction might be anger to the restaurant that messed up or your host that messed up even though you felt like you had communicated uh um clearly and i guess i guess the third one and it's not always easy and it's it's a practice definitely and is to just practice a little bit of mindfulness and try to notice like maybe create a space between the thing that actually happens and how you actually react to that thing that happens and try to make a more careful choice because it doesn't really help how you feel to have that anger or yeah. to feel that guilt and to just sort of notice, okay, this thing happened. How am I going to choose to react to it? And most of the time, what I try to do is just chalk it up to experience <laughs> and yeah. And, you know, I might choose to give the restaurant that that feedback and just say, look, you know, this, you, you put this in, I don't, what, what happened there? Did you misunderstand me or did you not understand? Okay, let's make it a learning experience for everyone. This is what it means. This is what you need to check. Um, if, if I decide I want to turn it into a, an educational experience, if I'm on holiday, I might just you know, let it go because, right. you know, I, I don't have to do all of these things all of the time. And uh, if I'm served something up that's that's uh, that's um, not vegan and I clearly asked for that, then, you know, I will just usually again, not always successful, but I will just usually try to say, look, I'm I'm really sorry that this has um, animal products in it. Is it possible that you could do something about that? 
some, sometimes a number of things will happen. Sometimes I'm given something new from scratch, or sometimes I can see that it's just been scraped off. off. Yes, that's happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I choose in that moment how I'm going to react to it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't like to waste food unless I will never um, eat. I, personally, I would never eat, eat what is in, if a non-animal product a non-vegan product that's given to me, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to get upset um, if it's just clearly been scraped off. I'll, I'll probably just eat it. But, you know, some people might find that disgusting. Of course, I respect that, but um, I would rather not waste the food, if right. that makes sense. Yeah, I just think it's it's part of the experience of, uh, you know, what Colleen always says, being vegan in a non-vegan world. It's going to happen mm-hmm. from time to time, and it's going to happen much less once you're more experienced. But I'm just thinking of some of the things, some of the mistakes I made when ordering when I first went vegan uh, that I just completely went over my head. I just did not realize that particular dishes had one ingredient and people had didn't even know what the word vegan meant when I went vegan. So they, you know, it just happens. It happens. And it's not about perfection. Every meal, we have a brand new slot to, uh, you know, continue doing what we're doing. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I love that. Now, Bridie, please tell everybody about your travel business, the tours you offer, because this is something that I, I, I just love the business that you guys are in, because many times when I've come across people who offer vegan tours and things like that, it's a sort of very hippie experience where... You're not sure how the accommodations are going to be. And I know there are so many types of travelers. I know that people are happy sleeping, you know, pretty much anywhere. And all they want is the experience of a place. But for me, me, Kim, in particular, I need to travel in a very nice way. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I like my hotel to be nice and cozy and clean and, and just, I don't know, it's just my personal preference. and. Uh, that's something that I love about your packages and your tours. You really have gone into the space of luxury travel where you can have everything planned out for you, every meal organized and vegan, but stay in these beautiful places, mm-hmm. have these experiences that you never thought in a million years you'd have. So, can you tell us a little bit about the tours you offer, what people can expect? where some of the upcoming tours will be too, maybe? Sure, of course, I would be so happy to. Yeah, so we decided to explore and make our focus the um, luxury vegan travel niche, I guess. And that was because, well, Seb and I did our fair share of roughing it, let's say, (laughs) when we were tour leading. Literally, we would stay in our groups with places that were like $6 a night. (laughs) They were pretty, pretty basic. And of course, that's that's great. But I've got a little bit older now. And my partner, Seb, he started travel hacking. So for those people that don't know what that is, it's basically collecting credit card points in a strategic way and then redeeming those points for travel experience. And Seb has this incredible mind for um, for this kind of thing, and he took to it with gusto. And we were staying in some pretty nice places. Let me tell you, we were able to redeem our points to have some incredible travel experiences. And 
whilst that was very nice and the room was very nice, often the food was a little bit lacklustre. And it would be frustrating because not only would we have to have these conversations that we talked about, letting the hotel know ahead of time, blah, blah, blah. Um, but very often it would be just like, oh, we can make you a, a spaghetti pomodoro, a tomato spaghetti. Great. Everyone else, and I'm I'm paying the same as as this person over here who's who's having a mistake or some expensive thing and I'm I'm having this, you know, it was kind of irritating. Let's just say that. So we decided that this would be the niche that we would go in and um uh Colleen likes to travel in this way as well. So I should say that uh, Colleen has her own sort of trips that we call joyful vegan trips. And then, of course, well, vegan travel, we have our own trips because sadly, Colleen can't travel as much as we would like her to. So, so we do our own trips as well. So basically, when you travel on a group tour, you are traveling with a group of people that you know you probably don't know. Um, we find that we do often have a lot of repeat travelers on our trips. So for example, on our last Northern Italy trip, there were three people there that had traveled to Tuscany last year. So it was like a little reunion. So whilst it's possible that you have never met any of these people before, um, maybe if you've traveled on one of the, the trips for the same company before, you'll be seeing them again. Who knows? But uh, you'll be with a group of 95% vegans, some vegan curious people. And your um, group travel is absolutely wonderful because, especially if you're a solo traveler, because um, you can travel with people, but also have your own space, have your own room. And it's really nice traveling with like-minded people. Definitely, this is really, really great. Even when I was traveling with Intrepid and, and it didn't have that such a, a big niche, people just love traveling together. And when you're traveling, having amazing experiences, you're spending a lot of time with people, you can really connect to them on quite a deep level. Like the friendships that have been created throughout our trips, like for example, our Northern Italy WhatsApp group, there's still people sharing in that every day. Um, and it's it's just really nice. So not only do you make friends, you can also make lifelong friends as well. And basically, you just, you know, you, you turn up and then people, the tour leaders, the tour guys, in this case, me and Seb, we basically look after everything. We tell you what's going to be happening the next day. You turn up at whatever the meeting time is at nine o'clock, having had your breakfast, and then you're just taken through the day um, with activities and restaurants and um, events and all of these kinds of things that, you know, probably would have been quite hard to put together by, your, by yourself because either you don't have the experience or the skills. But basically, Seb has been working solidly for six months beforehand to make sure everything is just perfect and I work on the food. So really, when you come on a organized group tour or World Vegan Travel Tour, you are sort of paying for um, somebody else to have done all of the work for you as well. And of course, we select the hotels so that they are ex extremely beautiful. They're fully expecting our travelers. We have games, we have surprises, we have trivia if you're interested in that. And we have a lot of activities to make sure that your experience is just, um, just a really unforgettable one. So, 
I guess that kind of explains how they are like. And in terms of the tours that we have got coming up, we've got quite a few Africa trips coming up. For example, Rwanda is in November. That has space available if anyone is interested. But in case you don't know, Rwanda is a place where that you can see the mountain gorillas and also chimpanzees and golden monkeys. And Rwanda is actually a really amazing country. Also, South Africa, we've got a trip there in at Christmas time. We've also got Botswana, but we also have lots of other trips that are coming up as well, like um, Tuscany and Northern Italy for next June. We've got, um, we're currently working on releasing our trips for the second half of um, 2023, but you can expect Alsace and Paris to Bordeaux, including the Dordogne. Um, we do want to go to Japan at some point. We have got 300 people that want to go to Japan, wow. which is just incredible. I think that's probably because people um, are concerned about going to Japan and eating well, but we haven't been able to put that together yet because the borders are still kind of closed. Japan is really taking a very cautious approach to reopening. And of course, that's absolutely fine. And um, where else? Oh, yes. So Thailand for the second half of 23 and um, uh, and uh, Alsace and Paris Bordeaux. We also do in Alsace, we do Christmas market trips as well. So if you are a festive person, oh my goodness, that Alsace has, is amazing. That has my name written all over it. I If you are a festive person, <laughs> yes. then this is for you. <laughs> Bridie, so do you handle everything? So let's say, I don't know, um, a few dozen people. I don't know how many people are, are in each group. I also wanted to ask you that. How many people would you be traveling with when you go? And, sure. and also, people are probably coming from different parts of the world. So do you handle all of the arrangements of flights from wherever people are? and accommodations and the food. So everything is, in, it's like a, an all-inclusive package. Yes and no to mm -hmm. what you just said. Okay. So basically you, ha you have to find your flights mm -hmm. um, and your insurance, like travel insurance is a, is a big thing to consider. And I have a podcast episode about that um, because it is kind of like a unfamiliar thing. I'm sure this is always complicated, but this podcast kind of explains it all, I think. But basically from when you arrive in the country, that's when you could just basically sit back and relax. Right. So sometimes our trips will include a transfer from the hotel to, sorry, from the airport to the hotel. Sometimes we'll just meet at a particular meeting spot, uh, for example, our Tuscany trips, for example, we meet on the top of the the terrace of the Grand Cavour Hotel in Florence with this amazing view over the rooftops of Florence, the Duomo, and we have our first Aperol spritz of the trip right there. And then um, from that moment, everything is taken care of and looked after. And then, um, yeah, right up until we say goodbye at the end of the trip. That's fantastic. Uh, what are the accommodations like? Uh, so I assume because it's all luxury travel that the hotels are beautiful, even when you're going someplace like, you know, into the wilderness in Rwanda. Uh, so can what kind of accommodation can people expect? 
Sure, sure. Well, you can expect very nice accommodation. Um, for example, Rwanda is kind of like accommodation plus plus. It's it's incredible. The one and only um, hotels that we stay at in Rwanda, uh, Nyungwe House and Gorilla's Nest, are just incredible. These are like fifteen hundred dollars, two thousand dollars a night hotels. They are amazing. Um, not all of our hotels are quite like that because that is next level kind of stuff, but we always stay at really, really beautiful, beautiful places. Um, for example, in our Northern Italy trip that we just stayed at, uh, that we just did, we had a beautiful hotel right on the Grand Canal um, next to the Rialto Bridge. That's one example. In Alsace, we take over this beautifully refurbished boutique hotel that has, that I think Napoleon even stayed there. It was built in like the the 15th century or something like that. And it's just been newly renovated. Um, In Africa, the safari camps that we stay at in Botswana, I mean, they're camps. Uh, I use the word camp. It's not camping, everyone. It's not camping at all. It's (laughs) staying in these beautiful, beautiful sort of tented um, tented camps that are beautifully appointed. And to get from one to the other, you take these little bush planes. There are pools with views overlooking water holes of, that elephants and all oh. of the animals come to. I mean, it's, it's just incredible. And you can get a really good sense of the hotels by going and having a look at the trip page for our trips because we'll show you which hotels that we're staying in and you can look at the YouTube videos for them. You could go and check out reviews online. Another beautiful place that we stay at is uh, Villa Cordovigo, which is in next to Lake Garda. And this is a beautiful old Palazzo Villa on the grounds of they've got vineyards and a 15th century church on there. And it's, it's, it's just absolutely beautiful. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I love this. I, and I have to say, everybody, just go to the link we'll be providing to check out these tours because the video and photos that you guys take on these trips will just, just make you want to sign up for all of the notifications. And that's also something I wanted to mention to our listeners. If there's a trip that you you're not, you know, isn't offered now, people can sign up to your newsletter and be notified when upcoming trips become available, right? That's how you know you have 300 people waiting for the Japan for the Japan trip. So that's something great if you're if you're just there's a place you've been dreaming of going to and 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 it's not available yet. Absolutely. Yes. And I can add to that a little bit. If you do express interest in Japan, for example, um, and there's a bit of a list, we, we, before the trip goes live on our site, we will email these waiting list people and give you sort of like a a window of time that's exclusively yours to book. And of course, the, the quicker you book, um, well, it won't be sold out, number one, but also you get the best rooms as well. So oh, uh, so know. there's also an incentive to make sure that you're signed up to the um, Be Notified First list. That's wonderful. So, Brady, just before I let you go, I wanted just to ask you, what is the biggest lesson that vegan travel has taught you? And compared to regular travel, because I know you've been a lifelong traveler. But is there something that traveling as a vegan has 
has taught you that has just stayed with you? Mm, Okay. I think for me, wildlife experiences have um, been more profound than they would have been beforehand. And, um, And the reason why I know that is my experience scuba diving. So I scuba dived before I was vegan. I was like, yeah, cool, cool fish. That's, that's pretty awesome. Um, but then a few years later when I did the same thing and I went after I'd been become vegan, I went scuba diving and I was just totally in awe of these incredible animals and this little ecosystem, the coral reef that was there. So I would say that I've definitely become more appreciative and um, have more of a sense of awe, a sense of wonder with not just the animals that I encounter, but, you know, forests and nature. And I guess I, I definitely have a different mindset generally to how I had before I went vegan. And that usually comes with more gratitude and more appreciation of the things that I see and the things that I do. I love that answer. That's beautiful. Bridie, I cannot thank you enough for spending this time with us and this wealth of knowledge that you've shared is going to help all our listeners in their travel adventures and hopefully join you on these amazing packages that you offer. Where can people find you, connect with you, find your podcast? Tell us everything. Sure thing, sure thing. Well, we are World Vegan Travel on all of the social media platforms. And also that is our website, worldvegantravel.com. And also you can search in your podcatcher for the World Vegan Travel podcast. And our podcast, we're putting a lot of focus on that at the moment. So we're releasing episodes every single week, which is um, uh, awesome. But we have all sorts of episodes from uh, vegan travel guides in a certain place, a destination that you might be going to, talking about insurance, not the most exciting topic, but important nonetheless. And um, we do talk more about more than just vegan restaurants in a destination. We just talk about travel as vegans. So um, hopefully there's something for everyone and uh, I hope people will check it out. Here are some takeaways from my conversation with Bridie of World Vegan Travel. You never know where being a podcast fan will take you from listener to the jumpstart to a new lifestyle to friend to business partner. Things really come full circle when you start making choices that align with your beliefs and values. And Bridie and the Food for Thought podcast are now changing the world of vegan travel, helping us all along the way. Sometimes downloading some vegan podcast episodes on your husband's phone can be just the thing when it comes to getting your partner to not only be supportive, but join you. In the early days of your vegan journey, it can take a while to navigate your communication with others. This is not only normal, but it's how you find your stride. There are so many tips, tools, resources, translators, and apps that make vegan travel super easy these days, and you'll have them all listed in the show notes for easy access, but remember that a little research goes a long way. Blogs are nowadays some of the most up-to-date resources when it comes to researching vegan eats in places you're traveling to, 
Go on a treasure hunt when exploring menus. Write ahead to your accommodation to tell them you're vegan and you've booked a stay. Remember that people in the hospitality industry want to be hospitable. So think of that line we feel nervous about stepping over as oftentimes only being in our head. These businesses are there to make you comfortable and have you enjoy your stay. Most places will rise to the challenge and even surprise you with just how much they wanted you to feel at home and eat deliciously. Make sure to pack some snacks some shelf-stable staples, and especially on long trips, don't forget to include lots of fresh fruits and veggies in your meals that you can buy in any town or city, no matter how big or small. Moments of imperfection can happen if they brought the wrong thing, if there is miscommunication. Remember that this has happened to most of us. It's part of the process, especially in the beginning. Do your best, create a mindful space between what happened and your reaction, and include tons of self-compassion. You'll get a whole other chance in about three to four hours, and veganism is not about perfection. When traveling anywhere, search for the hashtag vegan Madrid, vegan London, vegan Prague, or vegan and whatever city or town you're traveling to. You'll get so many ideas of dishes and places to go to with images to boot, often from locals who know all the secret gems of vegan eating in that city. You can absolutely navigate vegan travel on your own with all of Brighty's tips, but what if there was a place a vegan business that did everything for you, where all you have to do is arrive, lay back, and they will feed you delicious vegan food from the local and traditional cuisine. They will take you to beautiful places. They will then drive you to the most luxurious and gorgeous accommodations. They will take you to wildlife preserves. They will take you on hiking and walking adventures. You will meet like-minded peeps and also have solo time. You will be pampered and not have to think about a single thing. Well, such a place exists. It's called World Vegan Travel, and you can have luxury travel experiences back in your life, even when you eat vegan. And finally... Vegan travel can be just as wonderful, just as pleasurable, and even give you a connection to nature, to wildlife, to your own sense of awe and wonder that is even more powerful than before. And you can experience all the joy that travel brings, even as a vegan. Thank you so much to Bridie of World Vegan Travel for coming on the show and sharing all her knowledge with us. Remember to follow her on all social media as World Vegan Travel through her website, worldvegantravel.com and their podcast, the World Vegan Travel Podcast. And a special thanks to our sponsor for today's show, the fully vegan, non-toxic and animal and environmentally friendly Etsy shop, Green and Experience, creators of the amazing vegan hemp dryer balls, an all-natural alternative to doing laundry. And as always, a huge thank you to our listeners. We're almost done with this season, and we're closing it off with two amazing and very personal episodes coming up. So stay tuned.